Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. Hey friends, I'm so excited to have my next guest, Jamie Nolan, on the podcast today. Jamie is the CEO of Anima Collective. She's a life and business coach who's helped countless people tap into their true potential, build businesses that they love, and live the life of their dreams. But Jamie had to go first. Back when she was just 22 years old, she had a near-death experience that altered the way she thought about life and led her down a spiritual path. When I first chatted with Jamie, we exchanged a few stories that had me laughing hysterically. One, because I think, how do we get ourselves into some of the situations that we do? And two, because I can only imagine what people watchers would be thinking. But then I remind myself that it's often these experiences that we go through that change us in such a profound way. Jamie, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. I can't wait to dive in. So I want to start here. So can you take us back to the time in your life right before that near-death experience and talk to us, like, what did it look like back then? So I was in college. I was moving through life very quickly. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to be doing all of these things all the time. Like I was just like one of these, like, I have three jobs and I'm in college and I'm partying all the time and I have all the friends. Like I'm just like in sort of full expansion of myself, but zero direction. Like it's just out, you know, out in the world. I'm just like moving really, really quickly. And I had had like two things that led up. Well, I had like a series of events that led up to the near death experience, which were, I had one, I had two smaller near death experiences beforehand. And it was that like, first I was like driving back from class. I had gotten out of class early and like, you know, that feeling when you're just like, I got, I got like so excited from the ability to get out early. And I was like coming back to my house with my roommates and it was a Friday. And so everybody was already like blowing up like the little tiny pool in the front of the house. Like this is a good idea and drinking way too much. And I was like, yes, I get to go. And on my way back, this girl was coming like with like a tea stop and she came out and hit my car and pushed me into oncoming traffic. Like, so she pushed me across the median and I, and this other giant, I went to school at Georgia Southern. So giant, big truck, like, like lifted up pickup truck was driving literally right at me. And I just closed my eyes. I thought I was going to die in that moment. And then all of a sudden he was not there. He was like in a, he was over to the side. He had like somehow swerved around me and her and ended up in a movie theater parking lot. And he was like, Oh, he was so freaked out. Like after, after the accident, I was totally fine. Like, I mean, a little banged up because I had just been in a car accident, but like my car was totaled and it was all like bent. I had to climb out the sunroof. Like it was crazy, but I was totally fine. And he was like telling the police, like what would happen? He was like, I couldn't run her over. I couldn't hit her. I was going to kill her. And he was like going through this. And I was like, I mean, I was like, dude, I'm invincible. Like that was sort of my reaction to it. That happened like 
early in the semester in like the spring semester. Then about like four weeks later, I had gotten really sick as you do in college, right? Like I had gotten like this massive sinus infection and I had gone to the health center and you know, they're giving you all the drugs, right? They're like, here's the codeine cough medicine. Here's the like way too strong antibiotics. Here's all the things because you're a college student and you like, you know, are a mess. And I took this medicine and I was sitting on my couch and my roommate like looked at me and she was like, are you okay? I was like, I feel terrible. Like, I'm just like, and I'm, and it's a science infection. So it's just like all, I can't breathe in my, you know, like I'm very congested. And she's like, no, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know, man. And then she just takes all the, my medicine was sitting on the coffee table. She just like shoves it in her purse and just takes me to the car. I have no idea what's happening. And she's like, you're not okay. You, you are not okay. And she just drives to the hospital and by the time we get there, I have passed out. I have anaphylactic shock. I was allergic to the antibiotic. I didn't know. I got like, they, she like pulls up and she's just screaming. I have no recollection of any of this. I was all like from what she told me. And then they like got out like a wheelchair to like get me out of the car. And I just like fell like face down on the ground. And someone gave me a, like the EpiPen shot, like in my butt right like through my pants just whatever and I was okay and I was like okay live it, uh, live in the life right and I was like uh the health center whatever and I didn't really think of these two things as being connected in any way and while I was in the hospital it was one of these that like because the antibiotics were in my system every time the epinephrine would wear off I would go back into anaphylaxis so I was there for a couple of days and it was like a very like <gasps> like taking your breath away kind of experience. And the nurse that was in there was this kind of older black lady that was just like, I don't know what you did. Like, she was like always yelling at me like in this way that I need, you know, like that kind of like, listen, you need to be careful. You like, whatever. And then, so I went on my merry way, I, the rest of the semester happened. And then it was summer semester and I stayed at school because I needed to take some classes and I was working and I was like, and I was just like, still moving hard. Like I was training for a half marathon. I was like really pushing all limits. And I was driving to work one morning and it was very early and I was driving on like a back country road. And I like was driving way too fast in my mom's, Saab 900 convertible, which was very different than the Isuzu Trooper I had bought after the other car. So it was like, I was not used to, I didn't realize how fast I was going. And I was on this road that was kind of a half gravel, half, you know, cement road. And a animal ran in front of me and I just swerved a little, but the car just went all the way off the road and it went into a ditch. And the last thought I had was like, oh, this is going to fuck up the car. <laughs> like I thought I was going to go through the ditch, but I went across the ditch. And as I went across the ditch, the front end of the car hit the ditch and the car rolled over end over end. And it, the airbag like threw me out of the car and the car rolled this way, like rolled one way and I bounced the other way. But the experience I had of it was from watching it above. I was not in my body. I was watching the whole scene. And then I was like, oh, you have to get up. 
Like I had this thought, you have to get up, you have to stand up. And not, I mean, no, I've been thrown out of a convertible. Like I should not be standing up or doing anything. And I'm in the middle of nowhere. Like it's farms, there's nothing. And so I'm like, oh, and then I hear the car alarm going off. And I'm like, I gotta turn that off. Like it's so loud. Like that was the, like the whole thought. And then I was back in my body. And then I walked over to the car. I remember turning the car alarm off. The car was like smoking and it was just like this whole thing. I walked back to where I was and I sat down and then I started watching the whole thing again. I was like back out of my body and an ambulance came and I was on my way. I was teaching, I was coaching a swim team and I was on my way to go pick up a kid on the way to a swim meet. So like, thank God she wasn't in the car with me, but it was this experience of like, I kept having this out of body, in body, out of body, in body experience of like the ambulance came and they were asking me questions. And I was like, oh, you have to answer the questions." And I was like, present again, answering questions, doing things. They've got me, you know, in the neck race and the whole thing. And I'm strapped to the thing. Meanwhile, I've already like walked back and forth. And I'm like, oh, God. And I get to the hospital and it's the same nurse. And she's like, and I am covered in head to toe in dirt like scrapes and dirt because I had just like bounced all the way across the side of the ditch which was like you know a ditch and so I had all this like dirt and stuff and so and I kept losing consciousness so I would be like awake and then they would be talking to me and then I'd be not awake and then so at some point they had to scrub all of the cuts get all the dirt off which is a ridiculously painful experience because they have to do it with this like wiry brush it's like a sos pad is what it looks like and it's awful like it's like so painful and i like i and she was like this is gonna hurt and i'm like okay what am i gonna do you know like i can't do anything at this point like this is this is my situation i am cut like my entire left side of my body is just like all cut up from like bouncing along the ditch. I have dirt everywhere. And they're like, and every time someone talks to me, it's like, I have to remind myself to like step back in. And I'm like, this is really weird. You know, like I'm like having this experience of like my body itself is in all this pain, but like my mind is super clear. And I'm like, I don't know. And the nurse at some point, nobody else is in the room. And then she's like, listen, I have to tell you something. You can't have three experiences like this and live through the next one. And I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) And she said, because some point during it, she was like, have you ever been in a car accident before? And I was like, yeah, like three months ago. (laughs) It's like, she's like, I mean, and you know, if you're a nurse in a college town, I'm sure you are seeing a mess of people. But she was like, you, you're not going to live through the next one. And I'm like, oh, all of a sudden it hits me like, hey, I am leaving my body. Like I'm like coming up and down, up and down. And so right after that, I mean, I was convinced I was invincible. Like looking back on it now, the way that my behavior did not change. I would love to say I was enlightened and that I saw all these things. And no, I, I went full 22 year old. I went like, deep into this idea of like it didn't kill me <laughs> and I really kept doing a lot of things really pushing really pushing 
And then about a year later, I was like, oh, I got to go find myself. I was like, if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to be here on this earth, like I made that choice, obviously, because I was going back and forth and back and forth. I was like, if I made that choice, like, what am I doing? And who am I? And that was kind of the the beginning of the path of, you know, 20 something, 20, oh geez, five years of like real searching of like, all right, like, who are you? And why are you here? And, and also all the like, interesting pain and trauma that comes along with all of that right like the idea of like who am I going to be um and and then the searching for all the things um wow like I that is just absolutely incredible like three times these um experiences happen to you like near-death experiences one you're like out of body you make the decision to to stay so why do you think that it was that you were, you said you were like full tilt, pushing all boundaries. It was almost like you didn't have time to sit with yourself and figure out like, who are you going to be? What are you going to do? Why do you think that you created that, that life that was so busy and full? Like when you look back at it now, is there something you're like, I was running away from this. I didn't want to sit with this. I didn't know. Or was I that think just- that there was, I think a lot of it was like, I, I always had this sense of like, I don't know if I'm going to make it past 25. Like I had like young, I was like, oh, I got to get all of this in because I don't know how far I'm going to go. And it was never like a suicidal thought. It was a very like, hmm, this might be short, right? Like eight. And it wasn't like a knowing, it wasn't a, like a thought process. It was just sort of this knowing, this sense of like, hey, like, let's live all the way, right? Like, mm. let's kind of always push and whatever. And, I, and it was a very physical, like, for me, it manifested in like, I like played a lot of sports and did a lot of things and was like very into like the adrenaline rush of it. I drove way too fast. Like I did a lot of things that were probably dangerous that could have led to these paths, but also like, it had the feeling of like, I want the full experience. And, you know, there was, there was a time much later that I was in a meditation that I was like, oh, I rewrote my soul's contract. Like I had this sense of like that point was a decision point. And now like whatever had been written before that was like, maybe you're not going to make it to 25, right? Was like, oh no, we're going. And if Mm. we're going to go, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, are you, what, who do you want to be? What do you want? What do you like that deep like sense of like, oh, I got to figure this out has been sort of this path of like an entire lifetime. Okay. So can you walk us down that path? Like a year later when you finally sit, sit down or reflect or think, okay, who am I going to be? What am I going to do? What did that path look like? All right. So by this point I have graduated college. I am now living in New York city. I'm a personal trainer. Um, and this is in like 2000, like 99, 2000-ish. And I'm like, and at this moment, like New York City is booming. The economy is booming. Like I am literally just like, anytime I want a client, I'm just, there's a stack of papers in the gym I work in as people that are looking for trainers. Like it's crazy. I am making so much money and I am like working like a 
crazy person and I loved it. Like I loved the energy of it. I loved being in New York City. I loved like, and I did all of it hard. Like I was like training for triathlon, working really hard and like partying all the time. Like I was just like living and then I would get really, really sick and like crash for like a week straight and then pull it all back together and do it again. And I was like, I was getting tired. Like I was really like, I was getting really burnt out. I was getting really tired. And one of my clients came in and was like, I just did this silent meditation retreat and it was mind blowing. And I was like, tell me more. (laughs) And he had gone to this, there was a meditation center uh, up in like the, uh, like Adirondack mountains. And it was a Buddhist center and they had the like monks, yellow robes, the whole nine. And you were going to be silent for seven days. And he did a seven day. And then he was like, they have, you know, they have four days and five days and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and this guy was like, stockbroker, you know, not go to a silent meditation retreat type. And he came back zen. And I was like, I want some of that. <laughs> and, you know, this is like beginnings of internet. This is whatever. So he gives me like a phone number on a piece of paper. And he's like, call there and see. He's like, it took me six months to get in. And I was like, okay. I'm going to call. So I call literally after his session, I take the tiny little, like, you know, scrap of paper. I call the number, a monk answered. And I'm like, my, you know, I, I was just talking to someone and they had just come back and I really am interested. And he was like, oh, well, it's normally a six month wait, but we have an availability for this weekend. Someone just canceled. I think you should come. He asked me literally zero other questions. Like, he's like, I think you're supposed to come. And I was like, all right. I just said, yes, because that's how I was, like, that's who I am. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I show up to this thing and I like take a train and da 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 And I get in the car, I get there and they like, the monk picks you up from the train station, right? <laughs> and I get in the car and I'm like, I'm just talking and talking and talking. The monk's just sitting there, I'm just sitting there, silent. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, it starts now. And he was like, yes. And I was like, oh, I got to learn to be quiet. Like, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this, right? Like, so you get there and you're sitting and you're on like the mat and it's so uncomfortable. Like, and my thoughts are like 1 million miles an hour. Like they are moving at a rate that is inconceivable and I am physically uncomfortable and I'm annoyed at the guy breathing over here and this girl is crying and all this stuff is happening and it's the first 45 minutes like I'm not even in yet like we're in the beginning meditation and I'm already like "Ah." (laughs) so I'm like okay obviously this is where I need to be and so it's a four-day retreat and they come in and they actually give us some so we do this meditation And then we go and get food and you're supposed to be silent during this. And I don't know if I had ever eaten silently, right? Like sitting with humans and not speaking, right? And like, even when I was like in my apartment by myself, if I was eating, the TV was on or I'd have a, you know, do like radio something noise, right? And like hearing myself eat was annoying me to no end, right? Like I am not in any form of zen in any way, right? I'm just like, Argh. so then we go back in the room and we're sitting and I'm like, I, it's like 11, I had four days. Like I'm like, 
make it. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and so they're like, they give us the instructions and like, you're not supposed to speak. You're not supposed to write. So like, you weren't even supposed to come out and journal. You're just supposed to sit with your thoughts. Do you know how insane this makes you feel? Like, <laughs> it is. And so I'm just like, okay. As I'm sitting there and as we're like in this space, like, I mean, I am just like, sweating and physically uncomfortable and my legs hurt and my butt hurts and I just every single thing is I I am having thoughts from like the beginning of my childhood to yesterday and like it's all just moving so fast and there is no zen there literally no zen and then they start playing this gong and I have been to many a gong thing since then but this gong was annoying me to no end like I was just like in full annoyance and I was like this is the most and I'm like cursing my client in my mind like I am fully in it and at some point after lunch they let us walk in the woods which is much better the movement whatever and now I'm out in the woods right and everybody's walking you're not supposed to be near anybody else but you can kind of like hear people and you know walking around and I am like Ugh. and I'm growling and I'm whatever and then at some point I'm just cursing in the woods I'm just like Fuck! screaming at the top of my lungs because I have no like I gotta get it out like it's just in I'm like I gotta get this out of my body and I'm like, and I'm like I think this is how you go crazy like th this is this they're gonna have to take me to a mental institution like I'm gonna lose my actual mind and then I was like well you chose this like and then I'm you know I'm like you're the stupidest person in the world like why would you choose to do something like this like I like circle through all of it while I'm screaming in the woods at the top of my lungs and meanwhile there's like people like the other people that are supposed to be in this dead moment not screaming <laughs> I'm screaming right and I'm just like oh god and so we go back into the room and every day they did a check-in with each person, probably to make sure you weren't actually going crazy. And you were allowed to speak during that. And it was only like five minutes long. And I might've said like 7,000 words in those five minutes. Like I was just like, and then and I was just like so fast. And the, the monk sat there with his hands folded and his eyes closed as I am just regurgitating. I don't even know what. And in the end, I was like, am I going to go crazy? And he was like, if you have that many thoughts, you're not going to go crazy. <laughs> and I was like, all right, then. He's like, but you've got to figure out how to quiet your mind. And I was like, okay. And he's like, what brought you here? And all of a sudden, I was just like, I almost died like a year ago. And I don't know. And he's like, good place to start. And then I was like, okay. So for the next three days, I just kept focusing on like, what has brought you here? What has brought you here? What has brought you here? It was the mantra that just like kept coming back and coming back. And in that space, it was this really weird experience of like physical pain, like psychological pain, like thoughts of like, you know, all the things of like everything that has ever happened in my life. And then back to nothingness. And then all the way back around, right? And there would just be these little glimpses of it, like little tiny whatever. And I was like, I don't think anybody gets to a quiet mind. Like I would have these like seconds, you know, but like, I was like, how do you get to a quiet mind? Like, is that actually possible? And then on the like third day, I was sitting there and all of a sudden it was just 
silent. I wasn't annoyed by the guy breathing. I didn't notice the girl crying. I didn't notice anything in myself. I was no longer in physical pain. And I was just there. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm here. And then it was over. <laughs> but it was long enough to be like, it's possible, right? Like it is possible. And I would love to be like, oh yeah, I just dropped back into it and it was super easy and whatever. But it wasn't. I still fought the rest of the like next, thir- like the rest of the day three and all of day four. But it was so much quieter than it had been, right? It had been this like, I was like, oh, there are these moments and I can get there. It's going to take a little bit, but like I can get there. And so the weirdest part of it was then I get up like, after it's over, we have this, you know, closing ceremony and it's beautiful. And, you know, the breathing guy and the crying girl are not annoying me anymore. And everybody is grateful and everybody has had some moment. And then you get back on the train and you end up in Grand Central Station. And it's like, all of a sudden, I realized like how much input I was getting every single day, all day long, like, and how much it was coming in and how much that like was just fueling this kind of fire within me that would lead to like all the way to doing a million things to so sick, like always like crashing and burning into some kind of sinus infection, some kind of respiratory thing, some kind of illness. And then being like, oh, this is just a cycle. And I was like, it like became, as soon as I was in Grand Central, I mean, it took me some effort to get out of Grand Central. And I ended up like not getting in a subway and just walking like the 40 blocks home. But I was like, oh, this is all possible. And like that piece was like the next launching point of a whole bunch of a journey. Wow. I've heard from a few people or heard of their story about going to the silent retreats and yeah, at the end of them, how their life has transformed, how uncomfortable. And I just can't even imagine, like, I understand like the sitting still and trying to get quiet, but then not being able to write and let and release it out of your body and it just swirling inside like how uncomfortable that would be you're not being able to like work it out and sweat it out like actually just sitting still without doing anything else like yeah I've just heard of these stories of so many people who that was such a pivotal point in their life so that was kind of what propelled you forward then to continue going and it seems like that's such a young age to experience something like that? Like, did anybody else that you knew or were there any people that were your age? Because I feel like coming out of that at your age, then how did you relate and connect to the people around you or did it change the way you did? It was weird. I mean, it was a definite like weird experience of like having this massive experience and then like dropping back into your regular life, right? Like, especially when your regular life is like super fast, super chaotic, like, and exciting, you know, like, and to be like, oh, wait, I'm gonna go like, find an hour to go meditate somewhere. Right. And like, and, you know, like, the only other person I knew that meditated was this guy, Terrence that I worked with, I swear, this dude could like levitate, like he was like, so zen, but he was so like, so strange in my mind, like, I was like, 
Um, am I going to turn into Terrence? Like, am I going to be levitating on the, like, aerobic floor? Like, what is happening here, right? And it is this, like, you know, I'm sharing experience with my friends who are like, um, I think you had a bad trip. Like, they're like, what happened? And, you know, so it's this very weird experience of, you know, like, but every time I shared the stories, every time I was like a little bit, I would always come across like one more person, right? Like, it, like looking back on it, I can see how it was this like sort of hero's journey. Like there was always someone that was like, keep going. Maybe you should go try this. Hey, try this next thing. And like, it was always this like, right when I'd be like, eh, maybe that's not for me, something would show up, you know, like some kind of thing where I'd be like, oh, there's more. And that like path of, you know, doing these kinds of things and also living a very normal life, right? Like you have this idea of like, oh, okay, I'm going to like be like searching for myself and doing these things and I'm going to go on this journey. I like still, you know, kept going on normal life path and then like would have these like moments where I'd step off and go on to this like spiritual journey kind of path and then back into regular life and be like, all right, let me just like integrate this into like who I am. And it was this kind of back and forth of it. Like, you know, after, I mean, relatively soon after that, I met my husband and he, he's a scientist. Like he's, he's like the most like, I wouldn't say non-spiritual, but pretty close, right? He's this like very like science-based, like this is what we do. Like we do experiments, we find these things and, you know, and it's like, this is this is true right and I'd be like so I think this thing is happening you know and it's like coming like back and forth into regular life and then you know like being like okay there's a calling out here I'm gonna go do it and then like okay like when I come back like how does that relate to the other humans that I know right like how do I bring that kind of experience into regular everyday life? How do I bring that into other people's lives? How do I bring that into other people's businesses? How do I like, how do you like curate to be able to live while like experiencing, you know, and mm -hmm. those, and it's sometimes it's really hard, you know, like sometimes there is a space of it that you're like, I don't understand how the mundane and the monotonous is going to get me anywhere right but also like you gotta pay your bills and eat food and you know raise some kids and make sure everybody's okay and it's like you know the balance between that is it's never like an even balance it's like always like the shifting around of those things and so do you feel like you've come to a point where you've kind of married the two to be like just a part of who you are or do you feel like it is still like a tricky kind of integration. It's better than it was, but it's always tricky, right? It's always like when you're in that space of like, okay, I can like feel something is coming or something is happening. And like, I know I'm on the right path, but like, then you're like, oh, but I got to go pick somebody up at two o'clock and do some laundry and like, you know, unload the dishwasher. And then you're like, oh, but I can see how this thing is going to be this other you know, peace. And it's like the annoyance that comes with that is like all the human experience, mm, right? So you're mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm a human having a human experience. Like, all right, like 
it's also hilarious, right? It's like, it goes so back and forth between the idea of like, you know, it's like, you can't stay in ceremony all the time, right? You can't be there all the time. Because if you would, you'd probably be dead, right? You'd probably be like ascended or somewhere else, right? And so it's like, okay, well, if I chose a human experience, like I also have to be in that human experience. And so Mm -hmm. it's always tricky. I feel like I'm slightly better at it than I was when I was like, you know, 32 maybe, but it's still like, there are still moments where I am, you know, like, ah, who am I? What's <laughs> happening? How's it going? I don't understand anything. And then I'm like, okay, you've been, you've been here before. Calm down. It's okay. Yes. So when, okay. So you've had this experience, you kind of had those moments by the end of like day four, where you could be just quiet and still. And then you went back into like real life, day everyday life. When did you or did you ever um, start to slow down or did you just keep moving fast forward? So probably in, so that was like 2000-ish. And like two years later in 2002, I, I, I had gotten myself back all the way to burnout. Like I had, I, there was some things that had happened in between, but I had got myself really deep into burnout. And I was like, all right, if I can have whatever I want, what would I want for the summer, right? I lived in New York. It was hot. A lot of our clients were not there during the summer. So your like client load would always go like way down. And I was like, okay, I can have anything. What would I do? What would I do? And I was like, okay, I'm just going to manifest what I want. And I was like, I want to go away somewhere. I want someone else to pay for it. And I want to make a ton of money. Like, that was it. Like, I was like, I'm trying to make a ton of money somewhere else. I don't know what that is. And I was just like, let's leave it up to the universe. Let's see what happens. And like, within like a day, one of my clients that was a everyday client was like, I have an idea, but I don't think you're going to go for it. I was like, what is it? (laughs) And he was like, I'm going to Colorado for a month. I want you to come with me and train me. And I'm taking my company. He had like a a investment firm. He's like, I'm taking, it was like a nine person investment firm. He's like, I'm going to take my company for the first like 15 days or something or like 12 days. And that, and that was going to be an Aspen. And he's like, and then we're going to go to Telluride for seven more days. He's like, he's like, what's your rent? And I was like, 1500. And he was like, so what would it take for you to leave the city? Like, he's like, go think, he's like, think about how much it would take for you to leave the city for that long. And I was like, I don't know if I can think about it because I've already figured it out. Already right? knew it. Like, you already knew it was oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. And so I was like, and he was like, that's it? And I was like, 3,000. Like, I was like, oh, geez, stop. Why are you saying the wrong numbers? Right. I was like, ah, go bigger, dude. And so he was like, I think 3,000 would be good for you. He's like, I, and he was paying for my flights, my hotel, and all of my food. Like, he was paying for everything while I was there. And I was like, what just make that happen? And so, and I had like a very clear intention. I was like, I am going to like put myself in like the most wellness I can be in for that trip. 
right? Because I'm staying in a super nice hotel. He's staying for all my stuff, like, great. And I'm only training him like two hours a day. I have the rest of the time to do literally whatever I want in Aspen, Colorado in July. It doesn't suck, right? And I'm like, all right, let's see what happens, right? But I was like, okay, you need to go into this like in your monk-like state. And I was like, I'm not going to drink. I am not going to date anybody while in there. No sex, no like crappy food. No, like I was like, just work on yourself. You got the time and the space. Just do the things you want to do. Because I was always like, well, I want to do that, but I want to do that, but I want to do that, but. And so I was like, there's no but. You're staying in a super nice hotel. Like, you could literally sit in that room and order room service. You could literally just like go walk in the woods. You can do whatever you want. And so we get to Aspen and he's like, and he is, and all my friends were like, oh, he's going to hit on you and this is going to happen and all these bad things. And like everybody who was around me was like, this is a terrible idea. He brought his girlfriend. He had a, I never saw his hotel room. Nothing like crazy was going on. Like he was like super like, he really wanted me to see something else. And so he told his entire company, like all nine of them, that I was there and I was available to work. And he told them my rate was double what he paid. <laughs> so he's like, you know, he's like, oh yeah, she's whatever. Like, um, like I was like $150 an hour at the time. And so all of these people were like in Colorado by themselves and they wanted to do things. They wanted to go mountain biking. They wanted to go like roll. There's this like really cool path to go rollerblading on. They wanted to like go hiking and they didn't want to do it alone. Like they were like, like they were worried to do it alone. And so they were like, Hey, can I pay you to do these things? I was like, yeah, this is great. So I was just getting like all this money, like, and it was all in cash because it was like, you know, only 2002. So there was no Zelle and there was no whatever. So like people are just handing me cash. Right. And I'm just like sticking it in, like I had unpacked my bag and I'm sticking all the cash in my suitcase, right? <laughs> and like at some point, like about a week into it, I opened the bag to put more money in and I realized there is so much money in this bag. And I'm like, oh, I have manifested exactly what I wanted. And I was like, what have I learned from this, right? Like, what is the, like, I was like, okay, listen, you have this idea, you made it come true. Like, what's next? Like, what is this piece? And I was like, okay, what am I doing right now? That's making me super happy. And most of the things I was doing was not the actual like personal training piece of it. It was the conversations. Like I loved being in conversation with people. And the thing that would happen is, is like when you're doing physical activity, a lot of times people tell you probably because they're like releasing the things from their body, but like they will tell you their most biggest secrets, right? Mm -hmm. They will tell you their biggest dreams. They have told no one else. They will tell you the things that they are like, have been considering for ever and ever. And it's this, like, you're in this like super sacred space with them. And they don't even, they didn't know they were coming to it. Right. Like, it's like, a little bit of magic and a little bit of trickery, but also like all this like feeling of like, I, I'm not like, I can't go back to unknowing. Right. And so that trip for me was like this big realization of like, 
one of the most special things to do is to share this with others, right? Like to be able to be like, well, why wouldn't you go like, why wouldn't you go hiking by yourself? Why wouldn't you, you know, do these things? And like, and who do you like hold yourself back from because of the ideas that like, you don't want to be alone or why are you holding yourself back from this idea of like, it's like not possible. Right. And I was like, well, what if everything is possible, you know? And so during that trip, all of the people, like they kept, they kept trying to decide which type of which I was like, they were like always like joking around like, Oh, are you a fairy? Oh, are you this? Oh, are you that? Like, and they, there's, and so at some point someone was like, uh, uh-uh, she's Mary Poppins. And I was like, Mary Poppins. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah. You're like got a bag of tricks. You're, they're like, you're a little bit rude. You're like push people to the limit. And then you like somehow wrap it up in a really pretty bow. And I was like, that totally describes it. Right. And I was like, Oh, all right. I'm Mary Poppins. And so after we leave like Aspen, we head to Telluride and in Telluride, we're like, my client is with his girlfriend. His girlfriend's kind of annoying. And like, you know, and now I'm down to, I have no other people, right? Like I had all those other people. So I was busy, you know, like not like super busy, but I was doing a lot of stuff with a lot of other people. And I was like, okay. And now we're in Telluride. And I'm just like working out with him like two hours a day. And his girlfriend, oh, and he, he had been like, oh, yeah, will you work out my girlfriend? She was like, yeah, of course, I'll do whatever you want. You're literally, <laughs> like, facilitating this entire thing. And she doesn't want to do anything with me. And so one morning, he calls me really early, like, 6.30. And he's like, hey, I'm sorry to wake you up. And I was like, I'm up, you know, whatever. And he's like, will you go on this hike with me? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do whatever you want. And he's like, no, like, will you go on this with me? I was like, yeah, sure. I, I could be ready in 10 minutes. Like he was so serious. I was like, what the hell is this about? Like, and he, so I get there and he's got this face. Like he's so serious. And I'm like, are you okay? Like, is everything all right? He's like, yeah, yeah. I just, I really want to, I, I need to do this hike today. And I was like, okay, let's do the hike. Like, how long is it? Like, do we need anything? Like, supply? It, I, I, don't, I have no idea. He's <laughs> just like springs this on me. And he's like, it's four miles in and four miles out. I'm like, okay. I'm like, is it super, like, are we going up? He's like, no, it's an in. And I'm like, he's like, we're going to a waterfall. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, do we need water? Like, do we need, like, what, what do we need? And he's like, I got everything. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so confused. So we get in the car and we get to the trailhead and we're there and we're walking in and he's like silent. And then this is not a silent guy. Like this is like one of these people, like I train him every day for two hours in New York city. Like I know more about his life than probably him. So silent. I'm like, all right. Like, and like, we're like three quarters of the way in and I'm like, are you okay? Like what's happening? He's like, Oh yeah. My girlfriend didn't want to go on the hike. I just had to do this hike today. I'm like, okay. And we keep going. And I'm like, why didn't she want to go? And he's like, she just didn't see it, understand how important it was. I'm like, okay. I'm like, you gonna tell me? Like, I'm like, come on, man, tell me the thing. And so we get to the waterfall and it's beautiful. Like, you know, water is cascading down and there's a big pool and there's like a river and it's gorgeous. But we have also been in Colorado for like a month. It's not that different from everything else we've seen. And I look at him and tears are just streaming down his face. And I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> like, what is happening? And he's like, all right, I've been waiting to tell you this. <laughs> like, 
okay? And I'm like, oh God, is this where it all goes wrong? Like, is this some terrible, like he's going to profess his love to me? I'm like, oh no, this is terrible, whatever. And he's like, and I'm like, um, what? I'm like, what, what is happening? And he's like, all right, you know, when I came to you like two years ago and he's like, and I was in such bad shape and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and I was so determined and all of my life was falling apart. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, the reason why I showed up at, like in your like whatever gym, he's like, I had come to Colorado. I had gone on this hike and I only made it three quarters of the way in. He's like, but I knew, and he's like, I might've only been halfway. He's like, but I knew I didn't have enough in me to make it back out. He's like, so I stopped and I turned around and I left. And he's like, and I thought to myself, this is like exactly where you go wrong in life. He's like, this is, he's like, I push stuff all, like to a limit. And then he's like, and then I think I can't do it. He's like, and he's like, and I was scared I was going to die and I was going to be alone or that the park rangers were going to have to come get me. And he's like, and my, and he had little kids. And so he was like, and he had, and at that moment he had just gotten divorced. And so he had gone on this trip because he had just gotten divorced and he was heartbroken and all these things. And, and he's like, so we're standing at this waterfall and he's like, I can't believe I made it in here. And I was like, you made it in here easily. Like, this is not going to be a hard hike back out. You're good to go. And he was like, I know, I know, I know. And I was like, you need to get in the water. And he was like, what? I'm not getting in the water. I was like, oh, no, 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 you're getting in the water. Like, you are swimming in that waterfall. Like, I was like, there's no way around it. And he was like, but I'm not wearing a bathing suit. I'm like, you have shorts on. Who the hell cares? Get in the water. Like, you deserve this kind of joy. And he was like, his face was like in this way that was so confused. And he was like, okay. And I was like, listen, man, you can't drag me on a hike and not tell me any of this and then get me here and not think that something is about to happen. And he's like, there. <laughs> so I'm in like a sports bra on my underwear. I jump in the water. He jumps in the water. And there's no one else like anywhere, right? And we're just like swimming around. And he's like laughing and laughing and laughing. And he's like, I haven't laughed in so long. And I was like, whoa. Oh, and so we get out of the water and we're like, this is like great. And we like, whatever, get dressed and go back out and like hike all the way out. And he gets out. And he's like, this wasn't hard. And I was like, no, dude. I was like, but you've been training. Like you work out two hours a day, five days a week. Like, of course it's not hard. And he's like, he's like, it's just about showing up. And I was like, it's just about showing up. And it was this like moment where I was like, oh, it's all coming together. And so it then like he ends up breaking up with my girlfriend like right after they get back and you know all of these things where he's like it's like this acceleration of his life and as I see it I'm like oh this is how my life changes as well strangely I also meet my husband on the flight back so the whole oh thing God. pulls itself around in this way where it's like like it all can be possible, right? And it's like, for me, it's like, as I am like clear with my purpose and clear with myself and clear with all of the things and like living in that, the opportunities are just there, right? Like they all come to you. And so it's this space of being like, okay, am I open to being? Like, am I open to 
fulfilling that? Am I open to standing in that? Even when it's kind of uncomfortable, even when you're like halfway down a trail and you're like, I don't know what I'm going on this <laughs> Like, I don't know what's happening, right? And you're like, oh, all right. But like also like call the shot, right? Like if two months prior to that, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to stay in New York and it'll be easy. And, you know, I'll just take a lighter client load. That, that's, that'll be how I slow down none of the other things could happen, right? I won't, I won't have a realization of like, okay, this is the client work I want to do. I won't have a, I won't meet my husband on the flight back. I won't. And like these things, like keep like those sliding door moments are those places where you're like, okay, yeah, like some other good things could have happened. Definitely. But also like when you can like step into that space, like why not? Like, as you feel it happening, like, oh, it's kind of scary. Oh, that might not be possible. Oh, I can't even understand. Like, I'm just coming up with like, I just want to make a ton of money and I don't want to be here. I mean, that could have gone terribly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, oh, okay. Like, can you like trust in the universe? Can you trust in yourself? Can you trust, can you trust that the right things will show up and you'll know whether to say yes or no? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. How do you know if you're at that place where you are open to these like infinite possibilities? How do you know if you're there? How do you get there so that the things that you put out into the world, these intentions that you have are available to come in and drop in? I think it is like, it comes in two ways. One you just get tired of yourself, right? Like you get to the point where you're like, I am tired of the bullshit that I am telling myself and I have to get clear on what the hell I want, right? Like that is the path of most resistance. I am usually on that path, right? Like I'm just like, <laughs> aggravation eventually gets me there, right? Like, cause I'll, cause what happens is like, I eventually have to get where I slow down enough to be able to be clear, this is what I want. The other way is like, you know, in the practice of it, right? It's it's in the practice of the tiny little things. Like Mel Robbins talks about all the time, like having a symbol and then being like, I'm gonna see this symbol every day to know that I'm on the right path. And hers is a heart, right? And so she's like, she, you know, like there's heart leaves and little heart things and like a little stain on the floor and blah, 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 blah. And like, when you choose like the tiny stuff to be like, hey, am I, am I in alignment, right? And like making it playful making it a game right like I know when I am way too serious nothing's coming right like I am so set on the serious whatever and like literally it's all hilarious like you're like okay you're a tiny little human sitting on a giant rock rotating around the sun like nobody cares it doesn't matter so like why not enjoy it and like that piece of it is like okay like being able to get to the vastness of it, right? Like getting out in nature, like doing the things that you know you have to do, drinking the water, sitting by the water, you know, sitting in meditation. It's like to this day, 25 years later, like sitting in meditation is still hard for me. I can get there. I can do it. I know it's useful. I know it makes me feel better. But also like every time I'm like, I have to go meditate, you know? (laughs) And so it's like, all right, but I'm also still human, right? Like I'm still like, all right, the hardest part for me is being quiet, right? The hardest part for me is sitting still. So it's like, 
all right, can you trick yourself to get there sometimes? Maybe, right? Can you do it in tiny little ways where you're like, all right, I'm going to leave my headphones at home and just drive in the car, right? Not turn on the radio, right? I'm going to like, you know, intentionally like shut my phone all the way off so that by the time when I turn it back on, it's going to be like intentionally on, right? Like doing this, we're going to go outside and just sit in my backyard, right? And that stuff is the things where you're like, then sometimes you have to force yourself, right? Like sometimes you have to be like, I know it is good for me to drink the water and take the walk, right? And you're like, I don't want to drink the water, nor do I want to take the walk, right? And you're like, okay, I'm going to just like, do the thing because I know it's going to make me feel better. And like, you can be on that walk for 10 minutes and be like, I hate this stupid walk. And like, you know, you're just like going along. And then at some point it clears. At some point, you know, your body wants to feel good. Mm-hmm. It wants to get there. So it's like, all right, like, uh, all right, I'm, I, you know, eventually you can talk yourself into the hilarity of it all. Like, you're just like, all right, I'm being a pain in the ass. Okay. <laughs> fine like lighten up just go with it lighten up <laughs> so how did that like this experience you know these events in your life take you from like that one intention and then the universe showing you that it was possible how did that then play a role in bringing you to where you are and what you do today i think what happened was is that i started to get the points along the way that were like oh it is useful to share your knowledge it is useful to share your joy it is useful to show other people possibilities right I had I like joke around all the time that I had this third grade teacher and she was like Jamie what do you think you're gonna do have a job where you just talk to people all day (laughs) because I just wouldn't stop talking and I was like and she's like do you think you're gonna do you think you're gonna solve the world's problems by talking all day? She was not very nice at all. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. Like yeah. honestly, like in my life right now, yeah, I kind of do. And like it has evolved from like personal training moved to health coaching, health coaching eventually moved to life coaching, life coaching eventually moved to like life and business coaching. But it's all had the same intention. It's like it's all, the intent, the, the string that sort of runs through it is this idea of like, who do you want to be? Like, like if you were in your like, you know, and is it going to be that every day, all day? No. But like, are you going to get closer? Yeah, of course. And so like, like, do you need someone in your life that's going to like bring you some magic? Do you need somebody in your life that's going to be like, yeah, good job. Do you need somebody in your life when you're like, everything is terrible for them to be like, it's terrible. You can fix it, but it is terrible right now. Right. And like, you know, being able to be in that space of being able to like uplift women to be in that space, be able to like sit with my clients through the pain and through the grief and through the sorrow, and then also celebrate the joy and the wins and all of that. Like, it's a full life experience and knowing that those two, like knowing that all of that duality exists and being like, Oh, I get to experience that. Like it just makes me happy. And so it's like, Oh, was the road? Like, it's like, when it was happening, was I like, Oh, this is totally a smooth road to this point. No. Do I really understand like what's going to happen in the next 10 years? Not really. Like I got some ideas. I got some like, you know, goals, but like also like, 
it's unfolded in a way that is so beautiful and so messy that I'm like, it's only going to be interesting. So like, why not just experience it? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Along the journey, it's not this yellow brick road paved to the castle, whatever it is, whatever your castle is that it is the messy messiness and all the experiences that come along the way that, that make the journey. So can you tell us about this, um, anima collective that you have, what it's all about, how people can come and work with you? Like, what are some of, um, the people, like you said, who want all of this, you know, support, um, cheerleader, like to know that the possibilities are out there. How do they come in and be a part of this collective? And what does that look like? So the Anima Collective is a entrepreneurship community where soul development and entrepreneurship meet. So it's like, listen, entrepreneurship is not an easy path. (laughs) It is always fun. It is always hard. It is always joyful. It is always terrible. And, you know, it is great to have other people to support you through that. So we have an online community um, that we run off of Mighty Networks. And it's, you know, we do all kinds of events to help you through that journey. And the idea is, is like, it's a collective, like it is not, I am not sitting at the top of it and telling people like, this is how you do it. It is like really the idea of you really get to learn from everybody that's in there. And, you know, whether that's through master classes or conversations or partnerships, but like the idea of like, we're all coming with the same intention of like, we want to like do better in this world and how, you know, like, and some of that is done through being a really amazing accountant. And some of that is through, you know, being a shaman and like those two people need each other and like how to find those people. So um, it's a membership community that you can join. And it's like a great way to be able to really experience life with other humans wanting to experience life. Mm, That is beautiful. And I love how you talk about like the shaman and the accountant, how in the community it is so diverse and yeah, we need each other with all of these other beliefs, experiences, um, perspectives to help us along our journey. So I love that it's a place, you know, for everybody to come and share what they have and to learn from each other. So what are some of the, um, I guess the feedback that you get from the, the people in this space, what are some that are so memorable to you that keep you on this path? Um, so I love, like, I love when like people come in with an idea and then they like build the business. Right. So like one of our shamans, because we have more than one. (laughs) One of her shamans, she came in five years ago when we first, first started. And at the time she'd be like, I'm a healer. I'm a like tarot card reader. I'm a, she would not say the word shaman, right? Like she would never describe herself in this. Meanwhile, she had done years of training, years of training as a shaman. And like one of the coolest things to see now is like how she steps into that soul like power and she's like I am a shaman and this like that declaration of like 
being able to see herself and be like, oh, like, it's not that weird. And you probably need a shaman in your life. And all of those things, it's like that stuff, like always is like, oh, it's so good. The other thing I love is like the partnerships that happen, you know, you know, when you have the website designer that designs the website for, you know, the artist, and then the artist sells the piece to the accountant. And then that piece is in her office, which then leads to it's like, those kinds of like, all of the like dots that form between them to me is like the most success. Like all I really want to see is everybody win. Like that's like my largest goal is like, I want everybody to win. I want everybody to make all the money. I want everybody to feel fulfilled. I want everybody to like stand in their power. I want everyone to be in their purpose. And so when I can see those things like come together an introduction here that leads to this and like, you know, then I see like, oh, they're hosting an event together. Like I haven't done, like I might've made an introduction or they might've just found each other within the community. But like seeing that happen without me, to me is like, oh, such a win, right? It's like, oh, I got the people in the right space. And then it's like the universe can do the rest. Wow. I absolutely love that. Uh, So last question for you, what are you putting out into the universe or what is something that you're, um, thinking about next is there anything that you're like ooh this is really pulling me forward or got me curious about this next thing is there something like that for you right now so in the anima collective we have like subgroups and recently i was like oh other people can be running their programs through us like other coaches other healers other shamans whatever you would like right can be running their courses and or their groups through our group which leads to more people in the collective and i like right now we are like halfway through beta testing it we've got like three or four people that are doing it and running their programs through ours and this idea of bringing together more people to grow the community but also really help the, the coaches and the healers like bring their thing into the world you know the spaces the spaces to do this are expensive and it, it takes a lot to hold space for a full community and it's like how great is it that if everybody can learn from each other like if you have a very high maintenance client it is great that they can come to one of our events and unwind themselves and learn some things and you as a coach didn't have to teach it right like that the that they are supported within a collective and so this this is what we are launching it's like by august we are bringing in a few more coaches and a few more coaches but the idea of like how to build something that really holds true to the idea of like we can all win we can all build together so mm, and isn't that like yeah that's just it we can all um have our cake and eat it too. And we can all win and we can all, um, support each other and lift each other up. So, um, I've loved your story. It is so inspiring. I just can't even believe the twists and the turns that your journey took and, um, and, and that it's brought you to where you are today, serving so many incredible people and helping them on their journey too. So thank you so much for being here. 
Um, lastly, every, where can everybody find you, follow you, reach out and uh, get connected to be a part of this community? Um, so you can find us on the theanimalcollective.com or you can find me coaching wise on the, the Jamie Nolan.com. Um, on Instagram, it is the same. On all of the social platforms, it is the same Animal Collective and Jamie Nolan. Okay, lovely. We'll, we'll link that all in the show notes. And thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.